You've got to take off your pants. Wait, I could get in trouble for saying. (laughs) Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. Today in the show, we hear the story of a lab fail that started with radioactivity and got worse from there. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 50. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. 50 episodes. Wow. Is this, uh, you would normally say this is the semi-century mark or something like that, wouldn't you? This is our golden episode, Dan. Yeah, we're getting old. We should probably just stop. (laughs) Did you think? Just getting started. Did you think we'd make it to 50? I didn't think we'd make it to two, honestly, if I think back to the first one. You know, I mean, our fear from the beginning was always with a weekly show that we would quickly run out of things to talk about. No, we have a huge backlog that we will probably never get to. Yeah, I mean, fine. we've done 50 episodes and we haven't even been doing this for a year yet. And three of them had content. That's the <laughs> secret. <laughs> Make it stretch, people. Make it stretch. Uh, Dad, I was curious, so... I looked up some facts about the number 50. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm ready. I like math. So besides 50th anniversary being the golden anniversary, did you know that 50 is the smallest integer that can be expressed as the sum of two positive squares in two distinct ways? That is incredible. (laughs) Would you like to tell us those ways? I would. So you can express 50 as 49 plus 1. That's 7 squared plus 1 squared. I'm with you. Or 25 plus 25. That's just five squared twice. Well, I know. That's sort of a... Kind of cheating. 50 on a technicality. What's the third largest number that can be expressed as a sum of two positive squares in two distinct ways? Uh, I'll be back at you next week with that one. All right. We're going to add a math puzzle to the show? Yes. This is a this is a unique beer we have here. I'm very intrigued yeah. by the title. Okay. So this is your punishment for the lemon shandy <laughs> from a few weeks ago. I was in the store and I saw this gem and I thought... Josh needs to try this. Well, before we get started, so this is from Shiner Brewery. This is uh, from Shiner, Texas. And I like Shiner Bach. Yeah, you can get Shiner all across the country. Shiner's not a bad beer. Try out some Shiner. Uh, But according to the label, this is the Shiner Prickly Pear Summer Seasonal. I felt like with all of the the funny ingredients we are drinking in beer recently that we needed more cactus. (laughs) I mean... So not only have I never had prickly pear in beer, I'm not sure I've had prickly pear out of, in general. Out of beer, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to taste this. Yeah, give give that a swig. I are think are you sure this it. is not just, you know, this is the prickly pear seasonal, like it's the, you know, longhorn steer seasonal, like this no, is it, actual... No, it contains prickly pear, yeah, or so they claim. Oh, yeah, I'm reading this. The fruit of the prickly pear, a cactus native to our brewery's landscape, blends wonderfully with citra and U.S. golden hops for a tart citrusy flavor, unlike... Any other summer lager. So. Give that a try. And be careful. You're going to want to watch for the thorns. They can be they really get stuck in your throat. Okay. That was surprising. It's like Kool-Aid and beer together at last. That's what the flavor is. Yeah, it's like a... I don't I don't remember what flavor of Kool-Aid. It might be cherry or, or grape or something. Blue flavor, Dan. Yeah. Well, the beer is not blue. <laughs> no, it's not. It's And the label's pink. So, yeah, you're getting pink flavor. That's the key. It, it really tastes like an artificial fruit flavor, but allegedly it's... Not. I it's wasn't there when they made pear. it. I have no idea. Uh, I think what we're going to have to do 
is locate some prickly pear fruit. Okay. And try it. We'll sample it. And see if it tastes like this. Somebody sent us some prickly pear. Okay. Um, Lots of other updates on previous episodes I wanted to let you know about. Josh, you remember way back in episode 41, nine episodes ago, we interviewed Juan from uh, Oxford about the peer support program that he was working with at his university. I do. Great interview. Yeah, they were they were doing this program to um, really support the mental health of people in the college, but also he was really applying this in his lab. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know he's got a new website up called Labmosphere, which is like a combination of lab atmosphere. And uh, they're dedicated to promoting the emotional well-being, mental health, and overall life satisfaction in the area of academic sciences. So they've got a blog. They've got links to different resources for people um, to improve your mental health in lab and a place that you can share your story. So really a great place to go if you want to learn more about improving mental health of yourself and the people in lab around you. So again, that was episode 41 if you want to hear that one. Yeah, it's super cool to, to hear about these grad student-led movements to really improve training, improve the mental health, and just the well-being of trainees in the sciences. Pretty yep. cool. Nobody else is doing it, so the students have to, and I think it's cool. Yeah, and so we will link all that in the show notes. Also, he is on the Twitter sphere at Labmosphere. Oh, look at that. It's tough to say. <laughs> the, it everything's in a sphere. The Twitter sphere. The Twitter sphere. On Twitter, he is at Labmosphere. So check it out. Yeah, Dan, so something else. I'm on the Reddit from time to time. And so I was talking about one of our past episodes about how many postdocs there were. And Did we ever find out how many? I think there were... Uh, we got up to seven. Maybe at least like, seven. Greater than or one, equal one to of the, seven. One of the Reddit comments was too many. So that kind of <laughs> tells you. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a, a comment from someone on, on a Reddit post that was friends of the executive director of the Future Research who were involved in or that article about not knowing how many postdocs there were. And so this person alerted us to the fact that there is a national postdoc survey that's been organized by the University of Chicago Postdoc Association. And they really are trying to get the word out to get postdocs to fill out the survey as a way to remedy this issue of lack of transparency in the number of postdocs and their outcomes. So I just wanted to give a signal boost to that. We will post a link on our show notes. Postdocsurvey.org. Postdocsurvey.org or Google search National Postdoc Survey. And you will find that. There's some indication that there's some deadline on it. So um, if you're hearing this, go, go check now and make sure there might just be a few days left. Drop everything. And yeah. go fill out the national. If you're driving survey. your car, just steer into oncoming traffic, getting your phone out to fill out the survey. But only if you're a postdoc. <laughs> Don't do it. So Dan, speaking of people we've spoken to recently, last week we had Nicole, Chris, and Craig crammed in here in the studio with us. It was fun. I really enjoyed that. I loved it. We've got to have them back. That was just a great time. Good to get some perspectives. I'm sure people were glad to hear some voices other than ours for a change. I was. And so anyway, one of the other things that we were doing here was we were helping out Nicole. She wanted to interview Craig about a really crazy lab story he had from grad school. And and she's doing this as part of the Benchwarmers podcast. You heard of that one? I have, yeah. I've listened to the Benchwarmers. Really fun. Just stories from lab, stories from grad school and science. Really entertaining. Yeah, super great uh, podcast put on by two grad students, Carl and Maddie. And I was lucky enough to meet Maddie a few weeks back. She was down here... Uh, in North Carolina for the Triangle Com SciCon. And her boss, she's actually doing an internship with uh, NPR, and she's working with Joe Palka, the science news correspondent at NPR. That's exciting. Yeah, and actually, got to get Maddie on the show and hear about that cool opportunity. 
But anyway, great to meet her. Great podcast. And I think, you know, this story was so great. We're going to crossover post it on our podcast. Um, and you'll also hear it as part of the Benchwarmers podcast in an upcoming episode as well. Yeah, so if you like this type of story, definitely check out Benchwarmers because that's that's their shtick. I think it comes out once a month. Yeah, I think on average once a month and super hilarious and they do a great job with that. Add it to your tissue culture routine. Let's hear the story. My name is Nicole Baker. I am a graduate student at the University of North Carolina. So I'm actually here because I know a guy with a great story about fails in the laboratory, massive laboratory failures. Um, so Craig, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, tell us what you do, whose lab you're in, and also tell us what is your favorite thing about being a scientist? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Craig Goodwin. I am a postdoc in the same laboratory that you work in. So we see each oh. other every day. Mm -hmm. I, I am here to tell you about some things that uh, probably should not have occurred in, in the lab. Uh, my favorite thing about being a scientist, you know, that's a good question. Um, so I do a lot of, oh, I'm in the field of drug discovery. And one thing that we uh, talk about a lot in day to day is that we are not working with drugs. We're working with compounds that we hope become drugs. And so I think the greatest thing that I could ever achieve and what is, I think, very motivational to me is to uh, contribute to the progression from a compound that causes an effect in a cell to actually a, a clinical candidate and eventually uh, creating a drug that is used to treat patients. I have several friends and colleagues that have uh, contributed to that and have drugs to their name. And so I think that's very rewarding. Uh, but it's also a lot of fun uh, just to play around with incredibly expensive reagents <laughs> and, and increasing knowledge. I would say uh, my answer for why I like science is because I'm going to steal this from what Craig actually said earlier in the day, is that uh, I get to spend more in a month than I will ever probably make in a year on scientific reagents. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, so you have a really great story about somebody you know that had a massive lab failure. Um, why don't you go ahead and set the stage and tell us about that story? Well, yeah, I'd like to tell you the story about um, something that is very heavily regulated and for good reason, and that is radioactivity. And when something is so heavily regulated and, and legitimately dangerous, um, something happens to people, and that is that they totally all together in their normal everyday life, they become so clumsy and, and incapacitated that it, it boggles the imagination. And so the, the, the star of our story, this poor uh, graduate student, was working one day at the bench when all of a sudden, through her fingers, uh, drops a bottle of tritiated uh, something or other. Uh, and it hits the floor and just explodes. And this substance, this liquid, explodes everywhere over her, over the floor, over the cabinets, everywhere and she is horrified and this person is not you correct uh, yeah this is not this is okay. not this is not me um <laughs> uh, I, I will not reveal the name <laughs> to protect the uh the guilty uh so so it goes everywhere and she is horrified it's on her everywhere so immediately uh it's all over her pants so she drops her takes her pants off immediately obviously safety first uh and and she she's like well i gotta go i gotta go home i gotta take a shower i gotta clean up this is this huge disaster so she runs out of the lab she's now she's wearing a lab coat which thankfully so this is not a story about uh public indecency um but instead all of her lab mates are are, are looking at this disaster and say okay well what do we do they're gonna shut the lab down we gotta call environmental health and safety and they're gonna come up here so they call the radiation safety office and they come up there with their geiger counters and they're scanning everything and they're like oh this is a huge disaster everywhere all over the cabinet so they start their cleanup procedure all over everything and all over the floor it's a big puddle 
And then they notice that their counts aren't localized just at the puddle, but they start following it. And it's by the doorway. And it goes down the hall. And they keep following this thing. And there is a trail of radioactive residue heading all the way down the hall, down the stairs, down the sidewalk. They follow this trail all the way to the parking garage. <laughs> up, up to the third floor of the parking garage. And it ends at an empty parking spot because where did this radioactive residue go this liquid went all over the cabinet all over her pants and the floor and this poor girl walked all the way to her car trail leaving a trail of tritiated something or other so they find out her address and they go to her house and they pick the trail up it's in her car it's walking it's going all the way to her door and they go in and there she is. Um, so they walk in and, and with their Geiger counters and they discover the, the incriminating shoes laying in the middle of the floor. Um, they immediately confiscate those. This is a major disaster. We have uh, tritiated residue all over the town. So they immediately call the proper authorities. They get the backhoe. They get the bulldozer. They get the jackhammer. <laughs> And they start digging up the sidewalk. They're digging, they're digging, they're pulling up the carpeting. They're digging up the sidewalk. They're digging up the asphalt. They are tearing everything up because if it got out that there is radioactivity loose in the city, the whole place would shut down. So I have to ask, uh, did this girl request that these construction workers allow her to, you know, place her hands and mark, uh, sign the cement that was being laid down, you know, to sign her work? Uh, no, this girl wanted nothing more to do with the incident. I would have. I would have done that. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> rule 101 of radiation safety is you don't walk out of lab covered in radioactivity. Uh, rule number two is you don't go home and, and leave radioactivity all over the parking lot. So what happened to this girl after that? Is she, did she stay in the lab? No, she's actually doing quite well. Um, she did uh, change fields. She's working in a field now where uh, if she drops something, it will not cause a disaster. Uh, she's a banker, and she Great. can drop money with with no issues whatsoever and everybody will jump to her aid when she drops money but it will not well we like a happy ending all right well thanks craig and thanks to maddie and carl for allowing us to share this ridiculous story of radioactivity with you you're welcome well that was a crazy story yeah i i just don't know where to start i don't know why people didn't think to check out the shoes but yep you know a similar thing happened when i was an undergrad in the lab, uh, she spilled some some radioactivity on her pants. Uh, she didn't know what to do, and the PI she told the PI like, "Oh, I've spilled radiation on my pants." And he was like, "You've got to take off your pants." Wait, I could get in trouble for saying. <laughs> <laughs> so after uh, after that happened, we had a pair of lab sweatpants that stayed in the lab. The lab sweats. Yeah, I mean, radiation <laughs> should make you nervous, and when you're nervous, you're going to be more likely to drop something. It just seems like a bad recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a great story. and uh, Makes me want to carry a Geiger counter around because you don't know how many people go to lab every day work with radiation. Somebody could be taking it home. Well, I just want to say if science doesn't work out as a career for Craig, I think he has a future as a, a Geiger counter uh, impersonator. impersonator yeah. yeah, If you make, we can make a Geiger counter app and he'll just voice it for us. <laughs> That's right. All right, Dan, let's move on to our etymology puzzle. All right. It was, a, it was another softball this week, so I got lots of good answers. Um, the clue was, on this day in June, the sun seems to stand still. We just celebrated this event, Josh. And I happen to know this because my wedding anniversary is on this day. Is that right? Yeah. Let's Tell us what it is. It's the summer solstice. Very good. Solstice from the Latin 
which means uh, soul for sun. And there's this root called sistir that means to come to a stop or to make stand still. And this is, you know, this was the softball clue. But what I really liked about the word solstice, I never really thought about where it came from. That sistir word shows up everywhere. So you've heard of an armistice, armistice before? This is an agreement that the people will stop fighting. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. like we're going to stop our arms, which is arm. But it's also the root word for... Um, so many different words. So like assist to stand by, resist to stand against, exist to stand forth, persist, consist, subsist, desist. All of these words come from this Latin root. So I thought it was pretty awesome. So this also looks like the word sister. Yeah, I don't know if it's related to sister. I, I mean, I it, didn't see that. I mean, it's the word sister with an E at the end, sister, right? Sister, yeah. Let me look up the word sister very quickly. Do they ever say sister from another mystere? I think that... <laughs> I've never heard that. No, it comes from a totally different language, sister. Our use of sister. Sorry. Okay, well, had to ask. Old English. The winner this week was, I'm going to probably not say this right, but I think it's Anya from uh, Stanford. So we'll be sending Anya an Amazon gift card. All right. Thanks for playing. Congrats. Yep. And I've got another clue for you. Lay it on me. Should I work out this calf muscle on my leg days or my stomach days? I'll read the clue one more time. Should I work out this calf muscle on my leg days or my stomach days? Remember, I'm looking for a scientific word described with a clue, and once you get it, you'll find that the literal meaning of that science word is a phrase in the clue itself. If you think you know the answer, email it to puzzle at hellophd.com, and I'll randomly select a winner from all the correct responses and send the lucky puzzler an Amazon gift card. You know, the other day at the gym, we had uh, we had plank day. What's that? Do you know what a plank is? I know what that that photo competition where you were trying to plank on things. Is that it? Yeah. So, like a plank is uh, this you basically this position where you get down on your forearms and you are stiff as a board and you try to hold that for the listeners at home he's trying to demonstrate this (laughs) it's hard to position the mic correctly uh and so we had to see who could do it the longest and you know most people lasted like three minutes maybe four if they were really great how'd you do uh i'm not gonna say i've never known you to lose a game josh well i did not win this one there was a a woman in her mid-50s who planked for 16 minutes wow it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard, but I'm sure I'm not thinking about the muscles correctly. Well, we can try it later. Yeah, see okay. how Plank you do. competition later. All right, Dan. Well, this has been a great show. Thanks especially to Nicole and Craig for that hilarious story. Hilariously frightening. <laughs> if you have an idea for a future show, something you want to talk about, we would love to hear it. You can email us, podcast at hellophd.com. We've got 50 more episodes to do, and we need your help. Yeah, if you have a particularly awesome lab fail, we would love to to record it and play it for everybody else, or you can record it and we'll play it for everybody yeah, else. That, Just email us. That's something I wanted to say. You know, I think when we started this podcast, one thing I really envisioned was, you know, we don't have to have these grandiose big picture topics all the time. If you just got something amusing or weird that happened to you in the lab, we would certainly love to hear that as well. Yeah, the tagline is life in the lab. So you, certainly people are living every day and doing funny things. Yeah. So let us know. You can also tweet at us at HelloPhD or contact us on the Facebook page. If you're buying something on Amazon, you can click through our Amazon banner on the sidebar and that will help give us a little bit of spare change to buy some more prickly pear shiner bot. Is that what we're going to do with it? We will certainly not buy any more prickly pear shiner bot, but we'll probably buy something else that's tastier. Yeah, basically beer money. Thanks for listening and I guess we will see you next week for episode 51 on the, the next half of this century. Turn the page. See you next time, Dan.